0: Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly O'Horro. and this is Adaptable Behavior Explained. Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about codependency, and I want to start with saying I really despise labels, but I also recognize that people have traits that they experience and they're looking for relief and they're looking for understanding. And in that they Google search words and someone might say, you know, you're so codependent. And so part of my love hate relationship is you can find information about topics with the labels, but I don't love the label, especially related to codependency because Codependency traits are learned behaviors. They're passed down from generations and they're generational in nature. And so we learn what our parents did and they learned what their parents did. And these behaviors are highly influenced by family culture, By uh, geographical region, by religion, by all sorts of different things, we are impacted and oftentimes show up in codependent ways. So, the good news about something that's learned is it can be unlearned. And so, today, what I'm hoping to do is help you better understand codependency traits, how they're developed. Um, what we can do to try to address some of our behaviors and ultimately have some freedom because you can start to watch yourself and how you uh, show up in relationships and the, re- and the codependency traits that are, that are affecting you. So codependency is an emotional and a behavioral condition, and it's often referred to as relationship addiction. A codependent person is, is in a one-sided, somewhat destructive or abusive relationship, not always. And oftentimes in relationships, both partners are codependent. So my okayness is dependent on your okayness, and your okayness is dependent on my okayness. And ultimately, I can't be okay if you're not okay. And that's really kind of a, a brief understanding of codependency is I can't be okay if you're not okay. And I'm so worried about rejection or I'm so over-functioning in relationships because I'm trying to create insurance about how I can stay in relationship. And it's these, these traits are learned by observing or imitating family members with similar behaviors. So an example of something we might learn, let's say I, um, I have a parent who, who drinks you know, every night, and when they drink, they get really aggressive. And so one of the things that I take into account as a child is you know, dad's drinking and he's unpredictable. And then what I start to learn how to do is walk on eggshells. I don't want to be the reason that dad comes toward me, or I don't want to be the problem. And so I get busy being on my best behavior all the time. And so I start to adopt some codependent traits like perfectionism or... um, over-functioning. I I see dad come home and I run to dad and I say, you know, can I help you? Is there anything I can do? Or look, dad, look what I did today, trying to make sure that I can create some insurance that he won't pop off uh, because his behavior is unpredictable. Now, what we understand or understood about codependency is it used to have its origins in a family member that was addicted or substance abusing or a, a family member that was mentally ill. What we now know is that it affects really anyone that has dysfunctional family members or member. You know, like I said, formerly it was really related to partners who had addiction or parents who have addiction. But now it's anybody who's in relationships with chronically mentally ill people. Or basically, if you're in a relationship with anybody who kind of does this with their mood and their affect. So they're up and down, it's unpredictable, and there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or a reason about why they're acting the way that they're acting. And so this creates uncertainty in our nervous systems when we're around people that are unpredictable, and then we get busy trying to figure out how to not be the reason or how to try to it gives us the illusion of power and control in the environment that if I just be a certain kind of way, then they won't act a certain kind of way. And of course, they're not acting in whatever way they're acting because of anything that we did. They're just being them, but we take on and personalize how they're acting because it gives us this sense of control. So the the term has evolved to encompass codependency in really any dysfunctional family context, uh, context. So what is a what is a dysfunctional family? How does it lead to codependency? Basically, anybody who has fear or anger or pain or shame that is ignored or denied. So this is the family where We don't talk about our feelings. We don't address our emotional experience. We either pop off and get angry or we shove everything underneath the rug and we just pretend as everything is just fine. And these are the families where image matters more than anything else, how something looks, how we are perceived. Uh, we don't let anybody know our dirty laundry we don't share you know what happens in this house stays in this house that kind of family culture is is dysfunctional and so it ends up lending itself to people who end up codependent so that they can manage that environment Underlying problems might include addiction uh, by a family member to drugs, alcohol, sex, relationships, work, food, gambling. But it doesn't have to. It can. It can really just happen in a family where someone has erratic behavior or unstable moods. It can. It, codependency can affect people who have been physically abused, emotionally abused, or sexually abused. Or it has happened in the family system to another member. So it doesn't have to be that I'm in a family where I was physically abused. I could have witnessed my uh, one or more parents or another sibling be abused. Or there could be someone who had sexual abuse. And because of the way they show up, we are kind of tiptoeing around. We end up being codependent oftentimes if we have someone in the family system with a developmental disability like autism. Everybody needs to behave a certain way so that we can decrease the distress our brother with autism has. And so we can't play music like this and we can't go to parks because of the loud noises. And so we start to learn we have to behave in a way to make sure they're okay. And so these sorts of uh, family dynamics contribute to codependent behaviors and it's just how we work, unfortunately. So the good news is we can unlearn the behaviors of our codependent traits through one, acknowledging that we have them and learning why did we need them and where did they originate and ultimately what can we do in the now so that we don't have uh, to, uh, to deal with these issues in our current relationships. So as I said, these are learned behaviors and they develop as a result of survival, to either manage an environment with this perception of control or to avoid or deny difficult emotions. Behaviors of codependent people can look a variety of ways, but some of them are detachment or disconnection, perhaps lack of communication, avoidance of assertive communication, uh, distrust, um, maybe I have issues with my identity. Who am I? What do others think about me? Perhaps perhaps uh, emotional development is hindered in my dysfunctional family because we're so busy dealing with the states of distress and the members in our family that we get a little bit uh, thwarted in time and we don't end up developing at the same developmental rate for our age. And so we get a little bit stunted. Codependent individuals, Often focus on caretaking for the ill or the addicted family member. So one of the primary traits we see with codependency is a bit of an overfunctioning. Uh, behavior so this is when i do for others things that they are perfectly capable of doing for themselves and i'm not doing it because i'm motivated by kindness and compassion and thoughtfulness I'm doing it because I want to be a good mom or I want to be a good sister or i want to be seen as a good wife and my value is tied to what i'm doing and so in order to be worth something or to have be relied upon i do these things because it it helps me create insurance and stability and relationship and it ultimately gives gives me purpose so I don't have to sit in my discomfort. So that's one of the main things that we see. Codependent people often lose touch with their own needs, or maybe they never even developed them in the first place. So oftentimes, if I'm severely codependent, I don't know what I like. I don't know what I want for dinner. I don't know what my favorite things are, because my whole life I've spent looking and sizing up the environment around me, and I'm trying to make sure everybody around me is okay with the choices. I want to assess, are they all right? What do they want for dinner? What do they like to do? And I don't know how to assess my own needs. And I certainly likely don't know how to take accountability for them and assert myself and ask for my needs because I have not learned that my needs matter equally to the other adults in my life. And so we we lose a connection with our own needs and a sense of self because we've spent so much time prioritizing the well-being of others around us. Oftentimes, people behave uh, in ways that indicate they have low self-esteem, again, staying small, hiding in the shadows, not wanting to be the center of attention, not wanting to draw attention to themselves, seeking external sources to feel better. So. You know, maybe uh, this is the validation or the approval of others, and I don't do anything without saying, "Is this okay? Is that okay? What do you think?" So I can't, I can't understand in a sense of myself. Is this good enough? I need somebody else to tell me. Uh, maybe a codependent person is misusing or abusing substances or struggles with addiction because they're trying to manage the distress in their bodies. Uh, maybe there's compulsive behaviors. And oftentimes, like I mentioned before, the caretaking can be a compulsive uh, behavior in someone who struggles with codependency. One of the things that I see pretty often, and this can be hard to hear, is we fall into a martyr's role and we become kind of a benefactor to needy individuals. And so ultimately I can stay in this poor me state because I do everything for everybody else. And then I develop a pretty significant amount of resentment. And so this is something you want to you want to think about. What is motivating me to stay in this martyr position? And what would my life look like if I fell out of this and I ended up starting to learn to set boundaries and saying no when I mean no and only saying yes when I mean yes? What could that look like? Other behavior that we often see is rescue behaviors. Behaviors. So this is going to the school because my kid forgot their homework over and over again. Or when my kid gets in trouble, I enable their behavior and I go in and I say, well, what did you do to the teacher? Because they must not have heard you. It's not their fault. So we contribute to someone staying stuck and being uh, in being needy, but also we contribute to enabling destructive habits. There's also oftentimes driving a, deriving a sense of reward from being needed. So I co-create this worth by staying in a needy or staying in a position where my worth is depending, dependent on what I do for others. And I feel so full and good because I'm needed and I'm valuable because of that. So my value and my worth is dependent on others needing me. And then, of course, this compulsive caretaking leads to a sense of helplessness in a relationship because the truth is we don't have control over the variables of other human. We can't predict or dictate what others do. And so those variables, even when we overfunction and caretake, it doesn't necessarily mean someone is going to act and behave the way that we want them to. And so we end up feeling helpless. Codependent people often see themselves as victim and they can be attracted to the similar weakness in others in their relationships because it's familiar. Some characteristics that people with codependent behaviors have are that they have a heightened sense of responsibility for their actions uh, or the actions of others. They tend to do more than their fair share. They tend to show up when no one else will, and they think that they're the only ones that can get something accomplished and that they can't count on anyone else. They oftentimes have a proclivity to blur the lines between love and pity and often gravitate toward people that they can both care for and rescue, which, of course, leads to that being needed and my worth is dependent on rescuing. I have a role that I play. There's a consistent tendency to shoulder more than their fair share and falling into, like I said, that martyr role and a lot oftentimes resentment. There can be an unhealthy reliance on relationships with a willingness to go to great lengths to avoid feelings of abandonment. So I'll do anything to make sure you don't reject me. And this can be really unhealthy because it can contribute to behavior that's not acceptable by another person. And because the fear of abandonment is so great, I'll put up with way too much because I'm uh, afraid of the abandonment. And again, this craving for approval or acknowledgement can be a characteristic that is pretty significant in someone with codependency uh, traits. One of the things I see often is this sense of guilt when I assert myself or guilt when I say no. So if you feel that, that's likely uh, contributed to by having codependent traits. And there can be an overpowering need or exertion to control others because we don't want to deal with the distress that they're in. Or underneath that is the Desire to avoid potential responsibility for having to clean up a mess that somebody else makes. There's oftentimes distrust in others or a deficit in self-trust. And like I said before, there's oftentimes a deep-seated fear of abandonment or of solitude. So people with really anxious attachment styles oftentimes have histories of people not being very consistently there or maybe not there during the most critical times of their lives. And so they can be overly anxious um, and preoccupied with that connection and fearful of abandonment. Oftentimes there's challenges on identifying and understanding understanding one's own emotions. So uh, I don't know how I feel, but I can spidey sense everybody around me. How do they feel and what do they need? And I'm quick to jump and make sure that the needs of others are met. One of the characteristics that is the most profound is inability to set healthy boundaries in relationships or establishment of healthy boundaries and understanding what that looks like. And So many people misconstrue boundaries as walls and they just put up hard blocks, but boundaries ultimately require a a, a way in. We have to be able to find a way in if it's a boundary otherwise. uh, and It's a pathway to intimacy and connection. It's not a a way to just say, I'm not going to be around this person anymore. That's actually a wall. People misuse that word pretty regularly so so that's something to keep in mind. If you uh, set up a wall in the guise of a boundary, if it doesn't have a, a way into a, a pathway to connection, which might look like I want to be in relationship with you, but these conditions need to be met in order for that to work for me, for me to be okay with what's happening. So we have to be able to say and assert ourselves in what we need. Someone with codependency traits can have persistent feelings of anger or resentment. And can tend to be stuck under the guise of falsehoods or kind of uh, painting the glass half full or uh, Brene Brown would say silver lining a situation, trying to find the best of something and not honoring the, the, the truth of an emotional experience if it's painful. Oftentimes, someone who struggles with uh, with codependency struggles with communication, and what I see most is people will fall on the side of passive-aggressive communication, so they've tried to stay small. There's been a buildup of so much time where they've stayed small, and then it comes out in bursts of aggression. Or they tend to uh, communicate in the in the way of aggressive communication, and they power over, or they bully, or they dismiss, or shut others down when they're talking. So healthy communication is necessary for part of the healing of codependency, and assertive communication is the key and the hallmark for that. But oftentimes people have trouble making decisions, and. Ultimately, codependency is a complex issue. Oftentimes, it requires professional help to address the issues effectively. But if you or someone you know is struggling with codependency traits, they can seek therapy or counseling. There are several uh, great books that one could read if they're struggling. Codependency No More is a good one. We'll drop those in the comments below. The subtle art of not giving a F and it's asterisk asterisk C K. So that's a more recent one. That's a really pretty good read about how to deal with codependency traits. But ultimately, there's uh, some strategies that can complement help with a professional, like getting help with a, in a support group or dealing with things with education or workshops or classes. So now I'm going to talk about some strategies to address codependency. So we talked about what the problems are and characteristics and behaviors of someone who struggles with codependency, but now we're going to talk about some strategies to address it. So hopefully this helps you. The first thing is having self-awareness. Do you even recognize these patterns in yourself? Acknowledging that you might have some of these traits and tendencies. Reflect on your patterns of behavior, both independently and in relationships, educate yourself. You're doing that right now. You're learning about codependency. You're learning about underlying causes. You're understanding how codependent behavior can negatively impact your life and relationships. Learning how to set boundaries. Establishing and uh, enforcing healthy boundaries is paramount to recovering from codependency. So learning to say no and learning to say yes only when you want to without feeling guilty or anxious Self-care is critical, oftentimes codependency. We are so focused on everyone else that we forget to take care of ourselves. So prioritizing self-care is necessary. Things like exercise, relaxation, mindfulness, reading, but making time for activities or hobbies that bring you joy and fulfillment. Seeking therapy. I'm a huge uh, fan of practicing what I preach, and so going to therapy, whether it's in a group setting or support groups or individual therapy. Building a support network of friends and family that want to support your healthy nose and you learning how to kind of put your oxygen mask on first is essential to your recovery. And like I said, attending support groups or even social media groups where people have some of these issues in common and you can get some support from them. Learning to develop independence is pretty important with this topic. Developing your own interests, goals, identifying outside things outside of relationships that bring you joy, cultivating your own sense of self esteem that's not dependent on somebody else needing you or other people being okay, and self worth that's independent from that external validation is so critical. Improving your communication skills, taking a communications course. Understanding that assertive communication is the best way to get your needs met. It's not a guarantee. It's not 100%, but ultimately that's our best shot at getting our needs met. And then first knowing what it is that we need in order to be able to express that. Challenging the negative thoughts that you might have about yourself that contribute to codependency, like I'm not enough, or I'm not a good mom if I don't fold all my kids' clothes. And ultimately if I do that, I'm going to contribute to their inability to fold their clothes as an adult when they're dealing with all of their other uh, responsibilities. And so we want to not have enabling behavior. So we want to challenge those negative beliefs and replace those thoughts with self-compassion. We need to practice detachment. So learn to detach from problems or decisions of others. That's about them. This is about me. I'm separate and apart from them. And I can recognize that I can't control or change the behavior of someone else. And there's a lot of freedom in acceptance that. Gravitating toward and learning to have healthier relationships. So this can be a hard or tricky part when you're learning this, because you may recognize that some of the people that you're in relationships with now are not healthy. And if you want to gravitate towards people with healthier um, behaviors and less codependent behaviors, sometimes that creates uh, disconnection or loss in unhealthy relationships or toxic relationships. And then we want to celebrate celebrate progress when you have small wins. We want to celebrate that because these deeply ingrained, rooted behaviors that we learned, sometimes generations old, are hard to change. And so you want to give yourself grace and celebrate progress when you've made progress because baby steps and small wins. It's progress, not perfection. So I hope that you've learned something today about codependency, how this happens in our family systems, dysfunctional families, how most of us have somewhat dysfunctional families, even though we're all doing the best that we can with what we learned. Um, And of course, those learnings are oftentimes unhealthy. So we pass those down to our generations. We also talked about characteristics and behaviors uh, that are often accompanied with codependent traits and then some strategies to help undo these patterns of behavior in our lives. So thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope that you move forward and lead with love. It'll never steer you wrong.